0: Welcome to the Nature-Backed podcast, where we are talking about climate change and the green economy. My name is Tarma Virki, and today I'm speaking with Franz Hochstrasser from investment platform Raise Green. Welcome, Franz, to the nature Back podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Tarma. appreciate you having me on.
0: Tell us in a few words what Raise Green is
1: doing. Um, definitely. Well, so, so Raise Green is a community of climate investors, and we have thousands of folks now in the community. Um, and we, we bring them together around our climate investment platform. Uh, so we are an SEC and FINRA registered marketplace in the United States uh, that lets those members uh, who want to put money to work in the clean energy economy we let them invest as little as the hundred dollars um, and as much, really, as they want if they're accredited investors, uh, into clean energy developer uh, developers who are building projects, and into uh, climate tech entrepreneurs who are building companies.
0: Very cool. The uh, it's a bit like crowdfunding, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Or is that word passe these days? <laughs>
1: Um, it, it, it depends on who you ask. Um, it definitely is uh, equity crowdfunding is the, mm-hmm. the technical definition in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and crowd investing is, is what some people call it, because really it's not like Kickstarter where you're donating your money. And then if that company or uh, fundraiser wants to give you a product later, they can. Uh, this actually is buying a security, whether it's stock um, you know an equity investment or uh, a a debt note that uh pays out on a fixed income, so it definitely um, it definitely is still an applicable word um crowdfunding um, but it 's sometimes a little bit ambiguous because there's really you know donation based crowdfunding uh, and then there's investment crowdfunding and we we do investment crowdfunding
0: absolutely the uh tell me how it got started. How did you guys come up with the idea that we need a green investment platform?
1: Uh, do you want the long story or the short one?
0: Uh, I don't know how long is long. I mean, anything uh, less than five minutes is fine.
1: Okay, so five years is not a <laughs>
0: No, 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 no. no.
1: I, I'm just kidding. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we got started uh, back in 2018, actually. And uh, I had just come off of having worked for President Barack Obama for the prior uh, nine years of my life uh, on his campaigns back in Iowa, uh, and then at the US Department of Agriculture working on Recovery Act deployment, uh, which was the previous largest climate investment in US history, um, as well as uh, working at the Obama White House and the the Obama State Department to help negotiate the Paris Agreement. And I came out of all of that with these two main ideas um, Back in in 2017 2018, one was you know, we just need more people, more talented people, putting their energy into uh, creating clean energy and climate solutions. Um, and the other is that we needed so much more capital to flow into the space. You know, at the time it was about 300 billion a year that was flowing globally uh, into uh, energy and energy efficiency and, and other types of uh, you know uh, clean energy and climate solutions. Uh, now, thankfully, it's up around a billion, a billion plus, but ultimately, uh, excuse me, a trillion, trillion plus, <laughs> hundreds of billions um, that were already flowing. So 300 billion up to 800 or, you know, 800 billion or a trillion. But we need three to five trillion dollars per year flowing into the space uh, to truly uh, build the solutions fast enough to outpace uh, the advancement of the climate crisis. Um, and so those two motivations uh, led me back into graduate school. I met uh, my co-founder Matt um, in our our very first uh, orientation class and we got to arguing about the best way to uh, to solve those problems. And ultimately, you know we came up with that we need to give everybody a way that they can act uh, both uh, directly with their time, If they want to start a company, they should be able to get access to capital uh, to fuel its growth. Um, And also with their money, if they just want to, you know, sit back and continue to live their lives, but put some of their capital to work um, to make that transition happen more quickly, uh, then they should have an easy way to do that. And that was the birth of Raised Green. Absolutely.
0: The... uh... From that you know, below one trillion to three and three to five trillion, how much can you manage with a uh, race green?
1: Uh, good, good question. So you know we we take a grassroots approach to uh, climate action, and what I mean by that is, you know, like i said, we we want more people involved in investing and in innovating in the space. um, and so, you know, we, we have an, a goal to be at about a billion dollars invested through our marketplace uh, by 2025 um, and about 10 billion invested um, by 2030. Um, and I know that that's a small chunk, but it's a it's a uh, an additional chunk that wouldn't necessarily have money uh, coming from it if it weren't for this type of of mobilization. Um, And so that's kind of where we see our model as an additionality play in the climate finance space.
0: And also, of course, from the other side, if you guys can actually get people to launch uh, climate tech companies, then the impact could be much bigger than the, you know, only fund, only funded by through your platform, right? 100%. Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah. The, the more, Uh, climate entrepreneurs that we can launch and get off of the ground and project developers that we can empower with tools. You know, we built a software that we call the originator engine that makes it uh, easy for a novice or early stage developer to get the project finance document sets that they need uh, to execute a commercial or industrial scale solar project in the US. Um, And we want to expand that with templates for other types of deployments, battery storage, um, microgrids, uh, you know, uh, community scale wind projects, um, as, as well as, you know, actual uh, company templates um, for, for climate companies. So as, you know, as we advance through, you know, and, and it's happened so fast over the last five years, you know, we've been really excited to watch the pace of progress. Uh, but it's still not far enough, still not fast enough. It, it has to scale up. And it, it also has to scale in a way that is equitable and that lets uh, those disadvantaged populations, the underserved um, and underinvested in populations that often are on the front lines of climate impacts, uh, to have a way to own a piece of that, that transition, both uh, you know, from, from a, a pride standpoint as well as from a monetary standpoint. Because um, they need to both believe that those solutions will reach them and benefit them, and then they need to actually benefit them. Uh, and by investing, you know, in that in that uh, solution set, uh, they can actually make money uh, or have the opportunity to make money off of the transition as well.
0: As you mentioned the diversity and the topics like this, uh, what's your take on ESG?
1: Ah, so uh, thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> And, and I love, I love this question because, um, ultimately, you know, environmental and social and governance data is information. It's more information about companies. Um, it is not an investment thesis. Um, it is not, um, a movement. It is information and the, the rational investor uh, you know, back to the Benjamin Graham days, who was, you know, Warren Buffett's inspiration, um, should want more information about investments and investment decisions that they're making. Um, and so to me, this is a purely, uh, purely functional movement to provide greater clarity about how companies are actually interacting and actually uh, growing and, you uh, Operating within society, and that information should always be welcomed into uh, an investor's portfolio and, and decision-making process. Um, so there's there's a whole set of value-aligned uh, investment theses theses that have arisen around ESG, using that information to create alpha. You know, generate higher returns. Um, but it is at the end of the day just more information in the process, which. I think is is very beneficial. And um, So it's it's wild to me to look at you know some of the most recent pushback on the inclusion of ESG data and information and the disclosure of that information um, from from some folks who don't for whatever reason want to think about uh, true societal issues. Um, when at the end of the day, this is actually providing investors with greater clarity and greater uh access to to decision making tools.
0: Exactly. The uh yeah that's uh very very well put actually there's been uh over the roughly fifty episodes we've had there have been a lot of comments about ESG. Not, we haven't talked about it in every 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 episode of the podcast, but uh, you know, every now and then, people related with investment, I do ask them what do what do they think about it, depending also you know a little bit on the amount of ESG related headlines in the media over the last weeks. So it's it, but the opinions have varied quite a lot. I think most most of them have settled on on it's useful but it's not the solution or so, along those lines and uh, i think that's pretty much what you were also saying that it's useful but it's not the only thing which can drive the world right
1: yeah i see i see the provision and collection and reporting and monitoring verification of environmental social governance data as an essential first step to solve uh, the inefficiencies that have plagued financial markets over the last uh, frankly you know century um, and that is that you know environmental issues especially have been considered externalities so that the data on how companies are polluting the environment um, whether it be carbon pollution or you know to air toxics or you know water pollution etc is not is not currently or has not historically been included in the bottom line of that business and so by reporting that information um, And then ultimately doing it in a standardized way, like the international sustainability standards board is working up like the TCFD has, has, uh, you know, led on a voluntary basis, Um, but getting that to be a mandatory requirement to report on that information um, again, is vital to, to clear decision-making about whether or not companies uh, have an investment thesis worth, worth pursuing. Uh, So I'm excited about it um, emerging as a as a theme but it's it's really only the very first step because then decisions need to be made around that um, and that's what you know the smart money and, and investors um, can and should be doing uh, I can't give financial advice but uh, certainly you know my my heart is um, around a values driven investment approach um, and you know ultimately, Capital has to flow at an enormous scale, you know, the trillions of dollars a year into climate and clean energy solutions and and sustainable companies that aren't uh, scoff laws uh, or haven't taken advantage of those historical externalities to uh, create profit margins. Mm.
0: You spoke a little bit about uh, kind of race greens mission and uh, some of the future targets, maybe. Tell a few words about the practicalities. What kind of projects you are looking for, or what kind of uh, status of the early stage companies should be to to sign up to Raise Green?
1: Ah, uh, certainly. So, um, you know, we we are a U.S. funding portal, um, and so we we currently um, through Raise Green's marketplace can only list uh, U.S. Uh, companies, companies incorporated in U.S. state or territory. Um, that said, we do have a partnership with a European uh, funding portal, uh, and we haven't announced that publicly yet. Um, who that is, but uh, we have a good uh, good thing going where we're sending uh, European companies to them and vice versa, uh, and and so you know within that rubric of uh, of companies we we can list based on the SEC requirements. Um, we look for companies that uh, meet our RAISE model, and it's R-A-I-S-E. Um, so we definitely look for a path to revenue or clear revenue, especially if it's a project company, an individual you know, solar project, for example. They should have a power purchase agreement or uh, you know, at least have site control. Um, and then we look for ambition, which really is about the team. Does the team have what it takes to deliver on this project? Do they have the experience as well as the drive um, and and the hours in the day uh, and then from there you know, we apply this uh sort of esg lens of looking for impact that's both social and demo- and demonstrably environmentally beneficial um, so that's the raise model and we we review uh we review companies against that and against their sec eligibility and then we select uh, a small subset, about five percent of applicants um, who we list on the raise green marketplace.
0: the typical amount of money you raise would be
1: um our average project size has been about uh thirty three hundred or thirty three hundred and thirty thousand excuse me uh but we've raised you know uh one company has raised nearly three million dollars on our marketplace um and and then we've had folks you know raise as little as as
0: uh, 50,000 the uh, yeah i mean uh, most of our listeners are in the united states so it's highly relevant for for them uh and uh if, if you publish your european partner at some point we will can add it to the show notes later also so keep, keep us posted about that um Go, going forward I mean Europe had its massive green deal and uh, I think in the us you had uh, something similar massive kind of green investment package how do you how do you see this kind of the green investment scene developing will it be you know government uh, government run or will governments will always always have a massive impact on it or do we see that kind of or do you see that kind of uh, smart private money also flowing or maybe even flowing more than the the public money
1: um so i i love the work of the uh climate policy institute uh they just do tremendous uh analysis on the global capital flows into climate finance and uh their their most recent sankey diagram um, had about 55 billion a year flowing from households uh into that into that mix of you know i think it was 800 and 800 some billion total. So that's that's not an insignificant amount, you know 50 billion going toward 800. Um, we want to we want to make that bigger. you know we want to get a, a bigger chunk in there. And in the US, you know for the past hundred years or so, uh, nine out of ten Americans have been left out of the lucrative opportunities to invest in private companies and local small businesses. Uh, and that changed a few years ago with regulations that allow for community financing. Um, and that is what what we do at Raise Green is we offer the ability uh, to for those investors to put money in through community financing rounds or Reg CF uh, into private climate companies. And Americans have about five trillion dollars in sitting in their bank accounts, uh, checking and savings accounts, collecting little to no interest. Um, and so we are rustling up. You know, now it's thousands. Hopefully, soon it's hundreds of thousands. Of Americans to put that money into to climate solutions, um, and and so that's our our piece. But you know, you ask a bigger question, which is you know, how does the larger climate investing uh, market uh, evolve? And in the U.S., absolutely, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, as well as the bipartisan Infrastructure Law, and the Chips and Science Act uh, that passed over the past eighteen months. Um, have just been transformational in the market signal that they send. Uh, it's really just the beginning. Um, you know, that the Inflation Reduction Act is estimated by Credit Suisse to, even though it's uh, estimated by the Congressional Budget Office to mobilize $370 billion, Credit Suisse uh, estimates that it's more like $800 billion because many of the tax credit programs especially are uncapped. And that will catalyze up to 1.7 trillion dollars of U.S. investment into climate. Um, so you know, compare that to the 300 billion that was flowing when we started Raise Green back in 2018. Uh, that is significant, significant progress. Um, and it's and it's ultimately ushering in this beginning of a new era of uh, innovation and ingenuity. I think not just in the U.S. but Frankly, all over the world, um, and so, you know, lowering consumer costs, spreading prosperity through investments in clean energy technologies, new manufacturing, innovative projects, uh, and climate companies that take advantage of this this market trend uh, and get ahead of it, uh, I think will will be the largest companies uh, in our lifetimes, and we're we're thrilled to be able to help mobilize and, and be the spark that initiates both investment and, uh, innovation. Yeah. The world is changing. That's, that's good. That's a good sign.
0: Uh, I think but the challenge, too soon. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yes, it's, uh, I think my main worry is that it's actually a little bit too late. If you look at the IPCC reports and the, the kind of the acceleration of the climate change, uh, yes a lot a lot of good developments happening in the us and also in europe but typically these things take time to have an impact and at the same time the, the the kind of acceleration of uh climate change is happening like i mean we're usually tracking it behind not in in front that it has already happened and then it makes the headlines that uh, the development has happened so i'm sometimes rather you know having a background in media i i am you know sometimes relatively cynical and and i do feel that it's it's a, even though there is some reason for optimism it's still kind of worrying situation where we are at the moment
1: oh yeah well um you know that that is the uh the plight of the optimist is to to be wrong uh the plight of the pessimist is to be uh downtrodden uh, <laughs> but um but i i mean you're you're spot on um uh, you know much of the global warming impacts that we're already seeing you know hitting uh, whether it be the fires or the floods or uh the you know intense and extended uh monsoons and hurricanes um you know those are the results of warming that was baked in over the last you know, last hundred years. And you're you're totally right that, you know, even the re- emissions reductions that we are able to create today uh, likely will not actually begin to reverse climate impacts um, until, you know, we're old and gray. Uh,
0: I am a little bit already. So for me, it's kind of... I'm
1: getting there too, Tomo. <laughs> um, but but you know the the hopeful piece of that though is is you know that the next generation you know gen z's and and as a as a kind of uh later stage millennial myself um you know our generation um is more active on these issues than uh than uh gen uh the generation before us and and then the boomers and um and by, and similarly you know gen z folks are are all the more uh, outspoken and aggressively active about this issue as well. And you know, wealth uh, transfers by generation, um, and we're undergoing the largest wealth transfer in history because the boomers did so well economically that it's Deloitte estimates that at about twenty four trillion dollars transferring uh, basically between now and the end of of the of the decade um to Millennials and millennials, you know, as polled by Morgan Stanley, want 99% of them want more sustainable investment options and they want real sustainable investment options that aren't, you know, some greenwashed version of the same public equities that uh, their parents had traded. Um, So that makes me hopeful that, you know, there's capital going into the hands of younger generations that want to put that capital to work to create an inclusive and uh, accelerated, uh, clean energy transition, uh, and that, and that it's happening all around us. And, you know, yes, even with all of those goals and targets from countries and companies and cities, we are still on pace, you know, according to climate tracker to a 2.7 degree Celsius world. Um, if we deliver on all of them, okay. but, you know, we, we, it, it's a it's an exercise in in progress and collective action and i think we can do it
0: the 2.7 is a little bit still kind of it's kind of optimistic thing that uh, if you if you add to it how much has actually been been delivered to, to off those promises then uh i don't actually want to remind remember what was the number where we are heading at the moment it's definitely not in the right direction. It's definitely not. So yeah, uh, a lot of work ahead for you guys and for us for us to kind of uh, share the information with the audience. But uh, you know, short term, looking into that, twenty twenty three. What are your next milestones or the or the short term targets for race green? Um Yeah.
1: Um, so so. You know, Raise Green is preparing to launch its own crowdfunding uh, campaign, um, and we're aiming to open up a, a community funding round to everyone who wants to invest. And uh, we're putting our stock where our values are, uh, really opening up that accessibility um, to give everybody the ability to take action through their 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 capital um, and and help us. You know, further further our work. Um, historically, we've been able to leverage. Um, investment in the company um, more than three x um, into projects and and companies that are listed. Um, so your dollar stretches quite far um, if if you were willing to to back us. Um, and you know so so that's on our horizon here. Um, if you are interested in that, feel free to reach out. You can you know find it on our our website um, shortly as well. Um, but. You know, really, it's it's doing uh, doing the good work of implementing these tremendous policies and these tremendous tailwinds that we were talking about through uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, and you know, there are more than ten thousand cities and towns across the U.S., and every one of them needs uh, you know ten or twenty or hundred uh, distributed energy resources installed. Uh, between, you know, now and the next seven years uh, to get to 100% clean energy uh, by 2035. Uh, and that's the president's goal, President Biden. Um, and we're, you know, we're full steam ahead, trying to make sure that there's greater access to that, that capital and that it's going into projects and companies that are building uh, that clean energy future that we want to live in. So uh it's no no time to waste
0: uh, that's a that's a good comment to wrap up the show thanks uh France for joining us
1: thank you so much tarmo and appreciate all all of your listeners tuning in uh keep your chin up uh, we can we can get this done